Amen. Um, it is once again an honor and a privilege for it's a Sunday morning and um, we have been privileged once again um, today I want us to turn our attention to Lenzula Mudimu in the book of Hebrews chapter 12 Hebrews chapter 12 Verse 1, 2, and 3. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, 2, and 3. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Dear God, in the name of Jesus, we are thankful for your word. We are grateful, Heavenly Father, that it has power to transform, it has power to teach, it has power to change us, it has power to purify us, it has power to cleanse us, it has power, Heavenly Father, to help us look at that life differently. Today, Heavenly Father, I pray that you help us Look at life differently, and I pray that you help us enjoy just a little bit more in this race of life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen, Barnabas. Um We have just read from one of the epistles, Molenzula Mudim, or what we call pastoral letters. Um, these are letters that were written uh, for a church at a particular time uh, by a pastor who was somewhere else. Uh, pastoral letters, there's a, a couple of authors in, in, in the Bible. Uh, Paul stands out um, having written 12 or 13 of them. Uh, Peter also. John James and Jude, each one of them wrote these epistles or pastoral letters. Now, these letters are full of metaphors and, and pictures. You will understand how these letters are in the New Testament. Um, so the way they were written, they were written to an audience who was not necessarily Jewish and, and Hebrew. So for the word of God to get to them, uh, a language of their time. Now, these people were scattered around the, the Roman Empire, uh, which was initially occupied 
by the Greeks. So around them, there was a lot of Greek, whether it was a language or heritage or symbolism. So Batoba, some of them are Macedonians, others are Jewish, others are Greeks, others are Romans, but they are surrounded by Greek artifacts, Greek way of life, uh, Greek symbols of them, around them. So through the prism of, of a Greek mind, and when the writer writes to them, he talks about a race. Now, the Greeks are the ones who founded things like the Olympics. Uh, they were fascinated by the human body and sport. So they loved sport. And you can see in the writings of Paul that he is a person who either loved sport or he understood sport uh, uh, very, very well. He says, I fought a good fight. He says, I ran a, a good race. Basically, he's using metaphor of sport, which was how people viewed life. Competition and success was seen through the eyes of a sporting event. You win in life or you lose in life as much as a person wins or loses in, in, in sports. He says, Paul, I have run, I have finished the race. What lies ahead of me is a cross. It is a crown. He says it is laid up before me, a crown or a symbol of success. And he calls it a crown of, of righteousness. So when he writes to people about having finished the race and what is ahead of him being a crown, they understand because they've seen athletes running, and when they get to the podium, they get given what looks like crowns, which was a symbol of success. He says in the book of uh, uh, Romans, what shall separate us from, from, from the love of God? And he says, nothing shall separate us from the love of God. And then he finishes by saying, we are more than conquerors. We are more than conquerors. What that means, he says, we are these kinds of athletes who win even when we have obstacles placed upon us. So in the Roman and the Greek ways of, of athletics, there was a race that you could just run and you will be first and you are the winner. But there will be a race where you run, but there are obstacles. For example, they give you a bag. You put it on your back and then you run. And this bag has a weight. So when you win a race with a bag on your back, you are more than a conqueror. It's all about sport. It's all about competition. Now Paul says here, I've run the race and, and he uses this uh, sim symbolism. I want to say to you, if Paul was born in Pefeni, for example, he would use the success of Kaiser Chiefs. He will probably talk about Tega in Inkwaso, how Chiefs was great at the time and how they approached uh, uh, football. If he was born, maybe go Orlando, he will tell you about the exploits of Orlando Pirates. If he was born, go Mamelodi, he will write and tell you about Mamelodi Sundowns. And people would understand what he's talking about because of these themes around, around them. 
If Paul was in Bluefontaine, for example, he will tell you about Zola Bath and 1985, how she broke uh, the 5,000-meter uh, world record. You would understand what he's talking about. Now, where we read in chapter 12, Paul comes off 40 verses in chapter 11. Now, Hebrews chapter 11 has 40 verses, and in these 40 verses, Paul, who, who is supposed to be the writer of Hebrews, there is disagreement in that, but the style is, shows Jorge Paul, but some people say, say not. But anyway, more chapter 11, 40 verses of great people who ran the race, great people who walked before us, great people who are on the hall of faith, great people who shown what it means to walk with God, what it means to work for God, what it means to worship God. 40 chapters celebrating everybody from Abraham, Moses, uh, uh, Abraham, Moses, and Noah, everybody. 40 verses. Then he opens up chapter 12 by saying, you and I have a cloud of witnesses. He says we are surrounded by them. The NIV says, he says we are surrounded by a cloud of witnesses. The King James Version says we are compassed by these witnesses. In other words, they are all around us. Now, these witnesses, imagine witnesses sitting post stadium and you are running a race. The Bible says these people are sitting around on the stands and they are witnesses and they are watching how you run your race. They have run their race. They are watching how you run your race. A cloud of witnesses sitting around an arena watching how you and I are running our race. We are surrounded by witnesses, Barnabas, watching how we run the race. These witnesses came before us. They ran their race and now they are watching us. In life, Banabesu, there are three generations. And I want you to remember that. There is the generation that we are interacting with now. In our church, there's younger people who go to Sunday school. Uh, there's, a, there's a youth. There's young adults. Uh, there's and our seniors. All of that is the generation of the living. It is the generation of those who are presently alive now. That is the first generation. The second generation, Banabetsu, is the generation of those that are yet to come. The second generation are those who are still in the womb somewhere. Those are still in the loins somewhere of young people. It's a generation that is watching, but is not yet here. So the first generation is the generation that you and I see, that you and I talk to every day. 
The second one is a generation that is yet to come. We don't see them, but they see us. We don't know them, but they know us because God knows them. He said, I have known you before you were woven in your mother's womb. He talks to Jeremiah. He says, I've known you. In other words, you existed in my mind. And when you exist in my mind, you existed in reality. You existed in infinity. Before you were shaped in your mother's womb. I knew you and I called you. The third generation is this generation I'm talking about. The generation of those that have gone on to be with the Lord. They are watching us. They are watching how we're doing it here. They are watching us. Now, I want this message to go out to as many people as possible who have been touched by this ministry, Homo African Evangelical Church. They are watching us. Witnesses, the Bible calls them, they are watching. When I was thinking about this message, Manabits, I couldn't help but think about Muruti Stone, who is watching us to see if we are taking this church forward. He is watching us. Can't help but remember Mastole, who is watching us to see if we keep the faith and walk in holiness. She is watching us. I couldn't help but think about Sister Joyce Kobalala, who is watching us to see if we are able to take infrastructure of this church forward. She left this church 10,000 rent. She is watching to see what we are doing. Couldn't help but think about Mama Mama Shiru, watching us to see if we continue praying earnestly. They were always praying and praying for us. I want you to look around the arena and see who is watching. The Bible says they are witnesses watching us run this race. I'm thinking about a gentleman I grew up with, he's gone on to be with the Lord. He is watching us. He used to like the word he loved the unity of the church. He is watching to see if you and I continue in the unity project. He probably is watching us to see if we are filled with the Holy Spirit. He was a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit. I remember Muruti Bengu who is watching us to see if we are both sponsoring and spreading the gospel. He was a man of Malihambe Evangel. He is watching us. We have a cloud of witnesses that are watching us. Not only are they watching us, Barcelona, these witnesses, but they are also waiting for us. They are urging us on and waiting on the other side for us. They say to us, let us hold on. Let us get rid of all these encumbrances. Let us get rid of the weight that keeps us back. Let us get rid of the sin that entangles us. They are watching and waiting for us, waiting in the stand for us. 
Kobongo, who passed on, they're waiting to see if we will be able to endure. They've gone through a lot of challenges. They're watching, waiting, and aging us all. Kehopolabo Marumo, they're watching and aging us all. Kehopolabo Mashike, who are watching, waiting for us, and aging us all. They say we've gone, we've passed on, we've had difficulties, we've had health problems, but we are aging and waiting for you. Carry on and run a good race. Look who's in your stance. I told you of people that I see who are watching us, who are watching me, who are watching you. I'm telling you of people that you know who are waiting for you. But not only are people watching and waiting for us. When you look clearly in the stands, you will see one who is a definite winner. The Bible says, look unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. When you look closely, you will not only see witnesses who are watching. You will not only see witnesses who are waiting, but you will also see a witness there who believes in you and who is himself a winner. He started a 33-year-long race and won. He is watching. He is waiting. He is rooting for you. He is saying, run a good race. He says, fight a good fight. He is watching this match. Verse 2 says, Look, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. He is the one who started it. He is the one who finishes it. If I were to continue using examples of athletics, there is a, a pastor uh, I, I really, really love listening to. I spend time listening to his seminars on, on preaching. He is a master of preaching and, and rhetoric. He is one of the best in the world for me. Barke Frank A. Thomas. So Frank A. Thomas, a story is told about him when he was asked to talk about Easter, you know, when you have these uh, seven ways in the Bible. And, and 20 years ago, they asked him, they assigned him the words, it is finished. They asked him to talk about that part, it is finished. And Frank A. Thomas approached this subject very differently, not from your normal John 90. He went and read Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, about Jesus being the author and finisher of our faith. And he tells a story, a personal story, of how in his senior year in college, he was an athlete. And he wanted to be the best athlete possible. So Koskolong, he was part of the 400-meter relay team. Now, a 400-meter relay team would consist of four people, each running 100 meters. So Skolo must get their best sprinters, their fastest people, the fastest four. He wanted to be what they call an, an anchor man in relay. Now, the anchor man in relay 
is the one who finishes the race. It is the one the crowd cheers. It is the one the crowd sees when the race is done. That's what he wanted to become. He trained very hard, but he couldn't become that. David was a lot faster than him. So that role of being the anchor went to David. And the coach, all the coaches, when they set up a four-by-four team, they take the fastest guy and they put him at the end. So Muruti Thomas was not the fastest. So David was the fastest guy. And then the next person is what they call a lead-on. The lead-on is the one who, when the gun gets fired, he sprints first. So since Muruti could not become the anchor, the next best thing to become was the lead-on. Tried, worked hard to be the lead-on. He was just not good enough. So the lead-on went to Johnny. So David became the anchor, the last man. Johnny became the lead-on, the first man. The next guy, the fastest next guy, must be the one the lead-on gives the baton. Muruti tried, much as he tried, he could not make, he was not fast enough. Not only was he fast enough to be the first, not only was he fast enough to be the last, he was also not fast enough to be the second. So he had to settle to be the last, the third person who gives the baton to the final run. So that, in general, is your slowest member of the team. So the slowest of member of the team became then uh, Reverend Frank Thomas. But he was happy who he at least made the team. Trained very hard. One last race that they need to run in the senior year. From there on, they go to university. This is where they must make it because that race is going to open up the world for them, scholarships and everything. They could beat many schools, but there was one particular school that was a serious, serious competition for them. And on the day of the race, uh, as Muruti says, he goes there prepared, he's feeling good, he's feeling fantastic, he feels like he is going to do it today, he's going to do his best today. And understands, as part of witnesses, his parents were there. Understand his fiancé was there. Understand members of his church were there. He was not a pastor, there. he was a young person, but members of his church were there to cheer him on. It was a wonderful day. Here is a family. Here are my people. Here are my friends. The most important people in my life are there as a cloud of witnesses to cheer him on. And off the gun went. The lead on, Johnny, moves. He establishes a lead. The second guy told me he extends the lead. And Frank Thomas waits and says, oh, this is our moment. We are winning this. He gets the baton, and you know when you receive a baton, proper athletes, you must be in the zone for you to receive so that you don't kill the momentum. He receives the, 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 the baton on time. He moves like a bullet, the fastest that he could. As he runs, because he, the, the third guy runs around the cave, the first cave is still fine, 
people are still cheering the school on. He can hear his mom shout. He can hear his fiance shout. It's happening, this thing. It's in the bag. And suddenly, he, he hears a different sound. As he runs, he stops hearing the people who are cheering him on. He begins to hear footsteps that are pounding very, very hard behind him. The first instinct is to look to see what's happening behind. But he remembers he was trained in athletics, especially in 100 meters. You don't look back. If you look back, you're going to slow down. If you look back, it's just not done. You're not, you don't look back. He decides not to look back. He decides to run as fast as forward, uh, forward as he is taught. But the legs of the competition keeps pounding, keeps pounding. Up until the guy runs past him. At that moment, he realizes that he's blown it. At that moment, he realized that he has squandered a very, very healthy leave. At that moment, he realizes after this raid, he's going to get into his car and go home. It's a massive embarrassment. At that moment, he realizes that he is going to be remembered by that school as that person who dropped that race. In his heart, in his mind, it's all finished. But he keeps running. And he says, as he keeps running, he notices how this guy who just ran past him looks back at him and laughs at him. And as he laughs at him, the embarrassment and the humiliation goes ten times. He feels so bad. He wants to slack. Until he goes into the zone to give the baton to David, who is the anchor, who is the last and the fastest guy in the team. And he notices, or as he gets into the zone, the anchor looks at him and he smiles at him and he nods. To say, give me the battle. And at that moment, Frank Thomas realizes, Hurry, there's race. He's an important part of his race. But it doesn't entirely depend on him. He gets encouraged and he moves as fast as he can as the anchor nods at him, as the anchor invites him to come, as the anchor smiles at him and says, give me the battle. He gives the baton to the anchor. The anchor runs. Long story cut short, Barnabé. So the anchor overtakes their anchor and they win the race. They win the race. He slowed down, but they won the race. He was the slowest member, but they ran, they won the race. Look who is watching. I want to tell you, Manabe, to understand somewhere there, there's a man who ran the race before us. And his name is Jesus Christ, the author and the finisher of our faith. He is a man who is the anchor. He is waiting. He says, don't give up. I've got this. 
He says, I've started this race and I ran it patiently for 33 years. Don't give up. I've got this. If you read your Bible properly, you'll understand how Abraham started the race. He started the race, he ran as fast as he could. He ran as loyal as he could. He obeyed God, he made his mistakes, but he was so good that the Bible said God counted his actions to him as righteousness. Abraham started the race for us. Abraham gave the baton to the prophets. The prophets spoke the word to power. The prophets were fearless. They did not fear the kings of the time. They will tell them the truth. The prophets ran a good race. And the prophets handed the baton to the church. The church slowed down. The church split into Protestants and Catholics. The church split into Evangelicals and the Pentecostals. The church split amongst itself. The, split, the church split around baptism. The church split around uh, every other thing, the Holy Spirit. The church split around tongues. The church slowed down. But I have good news for you. That there is one who is waiting to finish this race. And he says, give me the baton. The race is not to the swift. The race I have run, this race I've got it. Give it to me. His name is Jesus Christ. The Bible says he is somewhere there on the stands. It says, look at the crowd of witnesses. Look at them. Look at them. And if you look carefully, in there, there's Jesus. He says, look unto him. He is the author and finisher of our faith. Now, you will slow down. You will make mistakes. You will be bogged down. You will be burdened. You will embarrass yourself. You will embarrass your family. You will embarrass your church. You will embarrass your school. But he's nodding and he says, keep pushing. I've got you. Give me the baton. This race we will win. He's the author and finisher of our faith. When we give him the baton, he runs it last because he is the one who understands what it means to die, what it means to rise again. He says, give me the baton. I died and I was risen from the dead. I know this. Give me the baton. Whatever you're going through, his hands are open. Give it to him. Give it to him. He's got you and me covered. Don't give up. Run a good race. Fight a good fight. The crown is ahead of you. The crown is ahead of you. Keep pushing. The reward is just ahead. Keep praying. The reward is is just ahead. Keep giving. The reward is just ahead. Don't give up.
Father God, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, O God, that you believe in us. You believe in us, Heavenly Father, so much that you started work in us. The Bible guarantees that you will finish it. Heavenly Father, we have so many things up in the air. In the name of Jesus Christ, Heavenly Father, the enemy is trying to discourage us. Sometimes, Heavenly Father, we don't know which way to go. The enemy is trying to make us think we are lost. Oh God, but the Bible tells us that you are the finisher of our faith. That him that started a work, good work in you, will ensure that the work is finished. Father God, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you give us grace to hang in there. We have been divided up, Heavenly Father, not only by silly things, but we have been divided up, Heavenly Father, by a virus. We are developing, we are worshiping separately from our homes when you wanted saints to come together in one assembly. Father God, in the name of Jesus Christ, in the season that we are in, the good work that you have started, we pray in the name of Jesus Christ that you finish it. Amen. Praise the Lord.